Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. This episode of the Cult Popshire podcast was brought to you by our Patreon. If you want to tell us which films we should watch, get up to two extra exclusive podcasts a month, give us something to talk about in the post-credit scenes at the end of each episode, or even contribute to the discussion in the episode itself, then please consider joining the cult and donating at www.patreon.com slash Everybody, welcome to the Cult Popshire podcast. My name is AJ, and today we're doing something a little different. Richard isn't here with me right now; he is in China at the moment. I'm gone to fight the final boss of COVID. He's gone to find the bat. Um, but in the meantime, you will hear Richard in this episode. Don't worry. In the meantime, we thought, uh, why not? give the people what they so so desperately want another patreon sample pack so if you don't know what this is what we're going to play for you today are two episodes from our patreon backlog these are episodes from uh, two to three years ago over on patreon um we're going to play you an episode first of film franchise follow-ups which is a uh show we do on patreon where we revisit an old franchise and go hey What's something else we can cover? Sometimes it'll be like a TV show that was spun off from the movie or a short film or something, or it'll be a movie that's come out since we've covered it. Um, And so for this episode, you're going to hear a sort of a missing piece from our MCU coverage on the mother show, the the free show, uh, which is our review of Spider-Man Far From Home. Not Homecoming, not No Way Home, but Far From Home, the second one. Um, We record this just after it came out in 2019 uh and we felt a little weird that you know we did our mcu catch up earlier this or end of last year or earlier this year uh and so you could listen to our thoughts on every mcu movie except for this one so we've made it free for you all to listen to now if you'd like to check it out and then we're going to play you an episode of our other show uh which is called generic underscore movie underscore podcast dot exe uh which is a podcast where our patrons they choose a movie they they suggest and vote for a sequelless movie and we watch that and this episode you're going to hear our thoughts on eternal sunshine of the spotless mind so if you like what you're hearing if you like the sound of these episodes please do consider getting in um on the ground floor and listening to all of these episodes years before they're released to the public uh, over at patreon.com slash film franchise follow-ups is our cult member tier so that is uh five dollars a month and generic movie podcast is our cult leader tier so that is uh ten dollars a month so if you want to get these exclusive podcasts patreon.com slash and now i will chuck you over to our thoughts on spider-man far from home 
and our film franchise follow-ups episode. What's up, patrons, and welcome to Film Franchise Follow-Ups. This episode, we're talking about um, Spider-Man Far From Home, which makes this a film franchise follow-up to not just the Spider-Man franchise, but also the MCU. So that's kind of cool. Yeah, hey, that's pretty cool, AJ. I think that's pretty cool. That's pretty cool. And this episode, we we both saw the movie about three days ago, but this uh, episode will be coming out like a month later i think yeah so this, I don't this, know. we'll drop it when we feel like it this one's gonna stay in the bank for a bit so we will be talking about it with fresh thoughts but the movie itself may have been a bit st- become may a bit not have stale. dated too well yeah 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 uh all right spider-man far from home peter goes on a summer vacation to europe and hot on his heels are Nick Fury and Maria Hill, who want him to help out with the threat of the elementals, uh, which is they're beings from another planet, uh, or another dimension, which is Mysterio's dimension. Um, mm. Or is it? Mm. Spoilers. That's what the film's about. <laughs> Spoilers for the whole movie. You've probably seen it by now. Um, what did you think of it, Richard? I real liked it. I thought it was real good. Um, I thought, even though when the film was announced, or the trailer first came out, everyone saw the twist coming. Um, I think they, in a weird way, like you know, when we talked about Toy Story three, I said it wasn't really a villain twist because it's it's revealed so early on that he's a villain, and it's more about waiting for the characters to learn. Yeah, this is like they held off the twist so long that you begin to doubt if they're actually doing it. Yeah, it was, it's a weird situation where because everyone knew Mysterio is traditionally a villain, it was more about waiting for the pin waiting to, to see yeah, the pin, yeah, yeah, waiting for the, the pin to the pin to drop than anything else. Um yeah, no, I agree. I liked it. I thought it was really cool. I think the um I I had a very interesting experience with this movie, Richard, because oh. the First of all, anything that's to do with the storyline of the MCU as a whole, so like the snap and stuff like that, they call it the blip in this movie. Yeah, that's cool. Um, I find that so captivating. Yeah, it is. Yeah. It's intoxicating to get to further <laughs> the story. It reminds me of like watching Lost back in the day. You know, like the MCU one of the benefits of it having releasing more than one movie a year is that you get to move along a story faster and until infinity war i feel like that story wasn't something that was particularly captivating in and of itself it was more mm. the individual movies were cool but now it's like oh my god what's going to happen next so i loved anything that's to do with coming back after the snap anything that's to do with tony stark's death all of that i found super super interesting um and you know thankfully mysterio is kind of intrinsically related to that as well but i gotta tell you man before the reveal before the before you found out that mysterio was in fact a bad guy i was struggling i was like man i'm not sure how into this i am like i definitely didn't hate it but i was like peter goes on holiday and like the danger just happens to follow him like that's pretty convenient and then i was like the elementals are such like first grade storytelling 
you know tropes like i've written stories about the elementals it's such an easy you know <laughs> yeah. like like it's the first thing you think of and i was like this is so lame and so poorly written despite the fact that i'm interested in a lot of the storyline and then you find out that the reason it's poorly written is because it's literally being written by a by like someone on mysterio's team of of stark traitors and it's like ah so now i've got to forgive the rest of the movie because the reason the danger's following peter to all on his holiday is relevant and the reason that the elementals are are dumb story ideas is because it is being written by by someone and also Um, it's you have the thing as well as we like first half of the movie because i love jake gyllenhaal but it's like for the first half of the movie you're like man his performance isn't that great like he's nothing to write home about and then you realize like oh it's because quentin beck isn't a very good actor <laughs> yeah exactly yeah totally and so i was full of that until the till the the reveal and despite the reveal itself being somewhat ham-fisted i was like so on board after that i was like this is great i love that the that the the story of the bad guys is that they were people who worked for tony stark that felt jilted by him and wanted to and, and getting wanted- to see um tony stark was able to build this in a cave with a box of scraps yeah, on the big again. screen again and yeah, they got back yeah. the same guy Who's also the kid from A Christmas Story? <laughs> wow! Oh wow! Um, and so I, I loved. It's it's a really good motivation to have them be wanting the spotlight and actually a very true to Mysterio, like an yeah, MCU yeah. version of Mysterio's classic origin of wanting the spotlight. But it's a bit more. It's got a bit more nuance now. So that's really cool. I really mm. like that. Um, and yeah, that that was sort of the main my main takeaway was that it took me a while to get on board, but once I did, I really got on board. Comparing it to Spider Man Homecoming, yeah, I'm at somewhat of a I have I'm of two minds about it because on one hand it's like oh the MCU stuff is so much more interesting and in, um, Far From Home than it was in Homecoming. Like I'm way more into it now, but then um, in uh, um the but then like comparing it to just the actual story like there's nothing as good as the michael keaton is liz's dad twist yeah yeah and this and michael keaton himself i would say is probably an, an actor i enjoy watching more than jack gyllenhaal not that jack gyllenhaal's not great in this film but it's like uh, from what i've seen the general consensus is that it's like almost it's like just above par with spider-man homecoming as people's reactions to it like everyone's like if spider-man homecoming is an eight out of ten this is an 8.5 yeah yeah um there there are some really good stuff in this film though like the 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 coolest part of the film well one of the coolest parts about the film there's there's a definitive like best part of the film which we'll talk about in a sec but the um the mysterio fight scene where he's like um you know fully like changing reality essentially mm. for peter and he doesn't know what's going on and you see iron man rise up from the grave with so the cool it's so well done and it's so like straight out of the video games as well like it, it's such yeah, yeah. a like this was such a good thing to see on on screen and, the, and it's very similar to the uh scene in doctor strange when she like opens up her mind mm. opens up his mind's eye um and uh, I always thought that scene in Doctor Strange was cool, but not they could have gone further with it. And I hope that they go further with all that stuff in Doctor Strange too. But um, I thought this was such a brilliant realization of that style because it's like, oh, I'm trying to reach for this thing. Oh, now like it's turned into this, and then I'm trying to reach for that, and it's that kind of like not. Yeah, they're very similar scenes. Um, but the coolest fucking part of the film uh, comes in the mid credit scene. Mm. Um, 
where and this was like a I'd heard make sure you stay to the end because the mid credit scene is the bomb. Uh, yeah. And so what happens in it is so Mysterio's gone, um, but and Peter's you know happy with MJ. They're swinging around town, and then he sees a news. Um, broadcast that's conveniently um got great sound and on the side of a building um which says that like before mysterio died he released this piece of video footage and it reveals that um it it makes spider-man look like the villain and it's like and this was released by controversial news website the daily bugle and then we have the glorious return of jk simmons as j jonah jameson um mm. and spider-man and then it's revealed to the world that peter parker is spider-man but man what was your what was your reaction when that came up i went yeah i got him did you say that out loud? I like, yeah i like because like, i feel like post-credit scenes in marvel movies when you're in the cinema it's kind of fair game because everyone staying behind is kind of in on an inside joke almost right yeah. you get, everyone, people always leave at the credits in in MCU films and everyone who's not leaving looks at the people leaving being like do you fucking not know how to watch an MCU film? yeah you know um, so yeah, but- I, yeah I went <laughs> <laughs> but, um- because like, like after that scene when the credits started rolling again some people in front of us got up and, and well, a bunch of people got up and I was like no don't leave there's another one and the people I didn't say very loud I was more like saying it to my friends than to the actual people leaving yeah. and the people in front of us turned around they're like oh is there and I was like yeah 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 there's another one it's like okay so sit down sit down <laughs> 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 it was awesome. great. It was like a little little moment of, of sharing something um, together with strangers. Well, yeah, so uh, cool. when when we saw Endgame, because there's you know no po- middle post credit scene in that. Um, mm-hmm. I because the first time we went, they like the the staff were there like waiting for us um, mm. down at the bottom, and then they, it just went to credit, and then went to black, and then they were like, Ooh. and the whole audience was like, oh what? And then when I uh, because I went later that opening day as well. I went twice on opening day. Um, the second time I went, I just like got up and was like, see ya. And then people were like, look at him. He doesn't know. And I'm like, you're the one that doesn't know. But um, I also had a funny um, interaction watching um, Spider-Man Far From Home. So it was like a more or less sold out screening. And fuck, there was like massive lines at my theater. And um, I was sitting next to this sitting next to an empty chair and I was like, oh it's weird this this chair's empty and then like the trailers had started and a guy came and sat down there and then the movie started the movie was like a couple minutes into it and people were still like walking in like five minutes in or something like that and so like yeah like five minutes in to the movie someone like has their phone light out and is like looking around the cinema trying to find their seat at like the row in front of me opposite and but the opposite end of it because I was on the aisle so they were on the opposite aisle and um I was like, what the fuck are they doing? So distracting. And I was like, what the fuck are they doing? There were people like obviously sitting that entire row. And then, so I was like looking down, like looking down at them. And then I caught the eye of the guy next to me who sat in this seat. And I was like, oh, these fucking guys. And he's like, yeah, that's just like when you pretend you don't know them, eh? And I was like, what? And then he was like, bro, bro. And then he pointed and they were sitting in front of us. And, and the guy sitting next to me like was friends with them. And I was like you're all horrible people. And then, cause the guy next to me as well, just like kept texting for the first like 20 minutes of the movie. And I, but like, it seemed he's just like, Oh yeah, I'm just like, he sent a photo of the screen. Um, after, like during the in memoriam segment at the start. Yeah. And, um, and we like sent a photo there. It was, like, Oh bro, I'm just a Spider-Man. And then it was like, Oh yeah. Um, I should probably go now. And I was like, have you, have you people never been to the movies before? Was this first your friend? Off, you, huh? 
Was it this person your friend? No, it was just some dude I've ne- like who came into the movie late and then was like, you know, we, we had a moment where I was like, oh, get a load of these guys down the end. And he mentioned that he knew them. And I was like, what the fuck? Um, yeah. So uh, that's my story. Because mm-hmm. like the, the first of all, the three of you didn't sit together. So you yeah. obviously don't know anything about booking tickets <laughs> to the movies. And then you'll fucking just rock up whenever you feel like it, flashing <laughs> your phone everywhere. <laughs> yeah no that sucks man i'm sorry you had to go through that oh, that's okay thanks man um so back to that mid-credits scene i i'd heard the buzz about the mid-credits scene and i think i was something i was expecting something a bit more than what it was like of course it's cool and kind of like an interesting talking note to, to, to that they got an actor who's previously been in a a previous universe's iteration of the character back for the for the same character and that's not the same as like if deadpool was in the mcu yeah you know? yeah like this is just like i mean no one when lou ferrigno was in um incredible hulk no one was like oh it means it's set in the same although i guess he's playing a different character yeah. so i don't know it's what but, it's um, whatever it's clearly yeah, what, just meant as like a tongue-in-cheek thing yeah you know? for me i had i the 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 hype i'd heard about the mid credit scene i kind of worked out that either uh, J.K. Simmons or Toby Maguire makes an appearance because and that's the thing like, and Would- it's not even like I heard like oh I can't believe they got him back or anything like that it was just like the the way people were excited about it I was like this means there's a reference to mm. the Toby Maguire the, the Raimi films because I was thinking yeah people don't get excited about the reveal that Nick Fury's a scroll, you know yeah yeah I was I was like it's either gonna be Toby Maguire J.K. Simmons or it's gonna be like an X-Men thing was my other right yeah my, yeah. my other thought um but I, I don't know. I, I think with because here's another thing about this movie, which I'll talk about just after I mention this, is that with like the buzz of this movie being about the multiverse, I was kind of thinking we were gonna see Tobey Maguire's Peter Parker in a multiverse scene yeah. in the mid credits, and I don't know whether I'm disappointed it didn't do that, but I think I, I, I do want to talk about is it a bummer that the multiverse stuff is a hoax. Mm. yeah well it was one of those things it's like uh going into it, i was like i'm interested to see how they managed to keep me on board doing the obvious mysterio twist and making the multiverse a lie mm. because that was the two things that i was like excited for i was like that's awesome if mysterio is not a villain and we just have jake john hall added and it's awesome if the multiverse is actually real but um I mean, I guess the predictability of it made it kind of less of a disappointment, you know? Mm. And they were still able to, to have quite a lot of fun with what they did. Yeah. End up doing. Yeah. No, totally. It's more that, like, because another thing that wasn't actually in the movie that really got me on board in the in the beginning was that they mentioned that Quentin Beck got to our universe because the snap ripped a hole in time and space. And they yeah. don't actually say that in the movie. And part of what I was excited about was just seeing the, like, quantum repercussions of the snap. And it, it mm. feels like they cut that out of the movie. And so I'm not disappointed necessarily because I like what the movie had to offer, but it did feel yeah. like we were dipping a toe in the larger expansion of what the Marvel like canon can do. And to know that, at least in this case, it's not real is, yeah. I don't know, I'm I, kind of um, bummed out by that. I read a theory as well that was called that um, the, the snap and the like energy that it gave off uh, um, kick-started the mutant gene. Yeah, yeah. And that'll be how the X-Men come into it. Mm. That'd be cool. That would be cool. Yeah. Um, um. So, 
Yeah, I don't know. I think, yeah, as I said, I'm off two minds about it because there's some stuff I really loved and, and there's some stuff that I, that I was kind of not as, I was, I was like kind of whelmed by compared to, to yeah. other more recent um, outings. Well, can we talk about, uh, what did you think of the end credits, the post credit scene? They reveal that Nick Fury and Maria Hill had been scrolls for the whole movie. They've they've since confirmed that at Tony's funeral and Endgame that that's the real them. Like and then okay. so they 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 just took over for this mission to give them to give Nick Fury a break essentially. Mm. Yeah, I'm I'm interested because I feel like the ramifications of that actually aren't that big. Yeah, to yeah. be honest, it's just like oh, this movie. Nick Fury won't remember it, but yeah, it was it was quite funny though that there are like a few clues throughout, like the like Nick Fury just kind of acts a little bit weird mm. in this film, and um, there's the line where he's he's saying like, "Oh, can't you get these other heroes to help?" And he says Captain Marvel, and Nick Fury's like, "Don't invoke her name," and it's such mm. a weird thing to say, but it makes sense yeah, to tell yeah. us. Yeah, yeah, I'm glad. I the my favorite thing about it is the fact that they got. Um, ben Mendelsohn back, back yeah. which makes me feel which it's it's like when um when uh what's his name Korg showed up again in Infinity War and it's like yeah you haven't forgotten about like one of my favorite parts about Ragnarok you know yeah, yeah. It, he wasn't just a monster of the week character who was in one movie and will never be seen again mm. and I think it's yeah, very it's, it's important. not just you're not just using the scrolls you're using Talos like yeah, yeah yeah it's very important to keep Ben Mendelsohn in the in the extended cast of of the mcu because i think he's a treasure and i really enjoyed his character probably one of my favorite things about captain marvel um but i again i am like it kind of to me i'm like the whole bitch you've been to space thing is like that's funnier if it's from nick fury and not from yeah i I actually don't like that line don't you i think that that's great because that that's you I know, know well, whole, I think it's the bitch please that I don't like. Right. It, well, I, to it me, just feels the, out of character and, and to strange. me it's the whole it's the answer to that question that I made a video about where it's yeah, like yeah, yeah. Now no, one, no one cares that they go to space anymore and it's like if yeah. you just need someone mentioning that you've that this is ridiculous. Um, and like like how do you do a film called Spider Man Far From Home about him going to Europe when he's been in space? Yeah. <laughs> like he just died in yeah, space. There was um uh, I saw an interview that was about like, oh, bitch, please, you've been to space. As there was then Adler by Samuel Jackson. They're like, no, that's one of the first lines we wrote in the script. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, and also the whole thing about Happy Hogan being able to Bone, tell him what um, was Aunt up. May. Hmm? Huh? What? <laughs> I said being able to bone Aunt May. <laughs> oh, yeah, that was great. Um, no, but when he, he lets um, who we think is Nick Fury know what's up by giving him like a code word. Like, it's it's pretty weird that samuel jackson would brief tell us that there's a code word for the specific thing and i don't know i don't know well, I, I, think, don't think- I think it's just a it's not like there's a code word it's like hey this is my message and also um scrolls can uh when they duplicate someone they can steal their memories yeah that's true um but yeah well he just says appearances can be deceiving right which yeah. is it's it's like a coded message it's not a code it's they don't then right pre-organized like hey happy if mystery ends up being a villain can you please call me and sure. just say this line yeah no i guess i guess to me i've never been i've never been a big fan of the of using shapeshifters as a twist um mm. I th- even even before Captain Marvel, like I, I'm pretty sure I said it on the podcast, is like I can't think of any character being a scroll that would actually be satisfying to me. I think it would 
it would wreck what has already been built. And in yeah. this case, it's but then like, if they if turn it, I, into Ben Mendelsohn, it's like, oh, okay. Well, Ben Mendelsohn's cool, and I, I like seeing him again. But it's, I don't feel like the movie is enhanced by knowing that Nick Fury and Maria Hill weren't actually themselves for the rest yeah, yeah, yeah. of the movie. Um, it's more just the implication that oh shit, Nick Fury is in space with the scrolls. That like yeah. that's that's the more important tease of that. Yeah, yeah. Because why? Why is he there? Um, yeah. So I really liked it. I really liked how it. Um, I mean, the big the big question at the end of our MCU episode was like, should this have been in a year's time? Should they have held off making this movie for a bit? Um, and then when I saw the trailer, I was like, oh, it's it's a perfect kind of reprieve to the mm. to the the phase three watching the actual movie i think i still would have preferred if this was like the first movie next year and the first movie of phase four i think that still makes more sense um because it's not like it still feels like it's the beginning of stuff right and and not necessarily the end of stuff um and i do think like because they mentioned the start it's been eight months since everyone came back and which isn't true to what has actually been in real life it's been yeah. less than that and i think even just from a tonal like how we as an audience are supposed to feel kind of thing i do think we needed a, a bit, bit more, more time break. before yeah, right. yeah, yeah before coming sense. back into it yeah <laughs> So yeah, that's my that's my ultimate uh, diagnosis. I guess. Yeah, no, of- fair enough. I um, one thing that I really liked about this movie that I didn't think I would go into it was I actually really enjoyed the relationship between Peter and MJ. Yeah, that was cool. And because like that, yeah. the despite the fact that the MCU has had love stories in essentially every film, um, well, not really, but um, only like one or two of them have really stood out. Yeah. And like, I mean, arguably. Pepper and Tony and then Cap and Peggy would be the main ones. Cap, Cap and Peggy is the main one. But um, yeah, I, I actually really bought into Peter and MJ. I thought it was really cool. Yeah, yeah, no, I agree. Surprised you didn't buy into Thor and what's her name? Jane. Jane. <laughs> All right. Well, I mean, yeah, I don't have too much more to say. No, I think we've we've fulfilled our 22 our minutes. Quota. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Cool. Okay. Thank you, everybody. Uh, I hope you enjoyed this episode, and I thank you for your your donations. And we will be back with another episode soon, I'm sure. Later. Bye, everybody. Bye. Well, okay, you're back with AJ again. That was our Spider-Man Far From Home episode over on Patreon. Again, if you want to get involved, that is Film Franchise Follow-Ups. That's our show over at patreon.com slash cultpopshire, where if you donate only $5 a month, you get to listen to all sorts of Film Franchise Follow-Up episodes. Uh, and yeah, now we're going to play you an episode of generic underscore movie underscore podcast.exe, where we discuss eternal sunshine of the spotless mind. Yeah. <laughs> Let's find it together as well. Oh, oh shit. shit. Are we still recording? I think we're still recording. Uh, this is unprecedented. Here on the Cole Pop Show Podcast, we've found it. No one's ever done it this way. No one podcasts like us, dude. <laughs>
<laughs> Not like this. I thought that the, it was plugged in. Well, it was plugged in, but I thought I didn't realize it was. All right, you should have heard in real time what it sounds like as someone moves closer to a microphone. Um, <laughs> what? Uh, welcome to Patreon, the Patreon podcast, everybody. Well, th- uh, thank you for having me. Mm, well, you're welcome. Uh, and um, I'm sorry, I'm 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 being so bad. Try and put my phone on quiet time. Yeah. <coughs> uh, this what is this is generic movie podcast? Generic underscore movie underscore podcast dot exe. Well, it takes too long to say. It takes too uh, it long does, to spell. It was a dumb idea. I'll say it. Suggest a name in the comments. Um, Are you serious? Change the name of yep. generic movie podcast. Generic underscore movie underscore. Should we just call it generic movie podcast? No. <sighs> All right. Um, okay. So as voted by you, comma the patrons. Uh, we're going to be talking about Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind, the 2004 film starring Jim Carrey, Kate Winslet, uh, Kirsten Dunst, Tom Wilkinson, Mark, Mark Ruffalo. Ruffalo, Elijah Wood, directed by Michelle Gondry, uh, and written by uh, a few people, but most notably Charlie Kaufman. Imagine being one of those few people who aren't most notably. Well, Michelle Gondry is one of them, I know. It could just be them two, I don't know. We they won an Oscar for it, though, I'll tell you that. What did they win? Uh, uh, Best original screenplay. Right. Okay. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. So this movie... Yeah, what's it about, dude? Is about a... It's it's sort of like a, an unconventional love story, if you haven't seen it, that follows uh, a guy named Joel, played by Jim Carrey, and a woman named Clementine, played by Kate Winslet. And... The, they have previously dated and had a rocky relationship and broken up. Uh, and when Joel goes to see her to try and make, make amends, she has no idea who, who he is. Um, and he finds out that she's actually had her memory erased in a, you know, an experimental procedure um, from this this little startup company where they erase your memory. And he's yeah. like, right, well, I want that not, done. Not just erase your memory, but like specific. Uh, you go on with mm. a speci- specific person you want to forget. Yeah. Um, so he turns up there uh, because he wants to get it done too, and while he's having this, they they basically map out map out your brain, find all the memories that you have of of this person, and erase them. But while they're erasing him, Joel inside his head realizes he's still in love with Clementine and doesn't want to lose her, and it becomes kind of like a race against the memory erasure to figure out how to escape it and not have her be erased from his mind. Hmm. Hmm. Yeah. Um, it's it's structured non-linearly in the in the beginning. Yeah. The, the opening credits don't happen until like seventeen minutes in yeah, or something yeah. like that. Um, and it's very strange. It's 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 a easy to understand movie dressed in the clothes of a of a complicated hard yeah, to understand yeah, yeah, movie. For sure, which I think is part of the genius of Charlie Kaufman. Um, mm-hmm. He's got a lot of films like that, like adaptations. Another one. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, he didn't see any of his movies in there. Uh, Synecdoche, New York, is the one that's the most. Hard to follow and quite complex. Right. Um, have you seen it? No. Oh, yeah. It's on Netflix. Should check it out. Yeah, you should. Uh, yeah, I think uh, the, the only... Uh, and what what else has he written? 
Anomalisa. Anomalisa, Confessions of a Dangerous Mind. Uh, being John Malkovich. Being John Malkovich. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Being John Malkovich, Adaptation and um, Eternal Sunshine, I'd say, were like his big three. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and then he's also got a new film coming out next year called I'm Thinking of Ending Things, which is coming out on Netflix. It's a good title. Yeah, starring uh, Jesse Plemons is going to be in it. Oh, he seems built for a Charlie Kaufman yeah. movie. Um. I do just want to say one thing about this film is that you have like some weird like crumb on your elbow. It's a leaf. Ah. We're in the same room. There we are. <laughs> uh, yeah. So what did you think of this film? I'm going to look up what it has a Rotten Tomatoes. Okay. Uh, well, okay, okay. I'd seen it before. Um, I've seen it a couple of times. I first saw this movie. I sort of half saw it. I remember my parents when I was like maybe nine or ten. Got it out on DVD um, from the from the from the video shop from Video Easy, and they put it on while I was like doing something else. We watched like the family movie, and then they're like, "All right, we're going to watch the the grown ups movie now." And I think I went on the computer while they were watching it, and yeah. I was so distracted by this movie, and I thought it was so interesting. I yeah. do, I wasn't really following what was going on, and that dreamlike ethereal quality to it was really effective on on me like it really impacted me and i remember not understanding it but loving how it made me feel you know yeah. like the atmosphere of it and so i sort of tracked it down when i became a teenager and, and watched it a couple times since then i think this is a fantastic movie uh yeah I it's it's agree. so good what i love one of the things i love about it beside the fact that it's it's a really interesting abstract concept that is pulled off so well that you're mm. ne- you're never really confused. Um, yeah. There's also two other sort of storylines going on in it. One is that Elijah Wood's character, who is is one of the guys that erases your mind, he like fell in love with Clementine when they erased her mind, and he's like got all the files from Joel and is like trying to make her fall for him, but it's not working because yeah, he's not as charming as Joel. Um, and it's just and, and the other storyline is that the sort of interns who are doing the erasing um they get drunk and stoned while doing it in jim carrey's house and joel's house and um and end up they lose track of him in his mind and so they call up tom wilkinson who's their boss who comes and turns up and you eventually find out that kirsten dunst is in love with him and uh that they had a previous relationship that she chose to get erased from her mind Mm. Uh, and so what i love about it about this film is that you start with the central um concept that there is a facility that can erase the memory of a person from your mind and the three main storylines are all like you've got your joel's storyline is just the basic following of that idea but then with elijah wood's character it's like how does this get perverted and with the with kirsten dunce and tom wilkinson and mark ruffalo it's like how does how does this affect the people doing it and like it's Mm. also kind of like a neat plot twist in the middle of the yeah yeah uh yeah, I actually had a similar kind of experience, I think, to you. That I I swear I saw like half of it. My sister was watching it and I caught half of it or I knew she liked it and then mm. um and then I watched it on my own and was able to really took it. I think I did a um <clears throat> a month where I like watched all of Charlie Kaufman's films. Right. Like over 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 a week or so. Uh and yeah, it's a really it's a really good film. It's interesting, um, because uh, dramatic roles from Jim Carrey are so few and far between. I can name you three, I think, off yep. the top of my head. Go. So Eternal Sunshine. Yeah. Um, uh, the Truman Show, which 
is that even that dramatic? I'd say that's that's the go-to example. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, and uh, the number twenty-three, directed by Joel Schumacher, yeah. which is a movie I also saw when I was a teenager, probably the same time I rewatched. Um, uh, Eternal, Sunshine. Eternal Sunshine and I was like this movie's so cool and I told all my friends about how the number 23 is this magical number that crops up yeah. all through time and space and everyone thought I was so fucking annoying for talking about it all the time <laughs> um, and then I, I bought it on DVD when I was an older teenager rewatched it it's not good it's, yeah. no, it's no good it's it's not but I I loved that film yeah. and I haven't rewatched it since, no, since I was I, like an edgy I, teen yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's, it is it's like a shitty version of the butterfly effect, which is also a movie that isn't very good when you watch it as an adult. Yeah. Um, there's another one he's in called like True Crime or something like that. Mm. Or, yeah, was it he's called? Like, yeah, True Crime. Yeah, and he's like a um, it's like a Swedish or or I think he's a Swedish or a Danish character in it. <laughs> yeah, like he has an accent. All oh, right. Um, and it it it. it Went real under the radar. I remember seeing people talk about it. Yeah, because like, he's got like a shaved head and a beard. Yeah, yeah. Should check that out. Yeah, he's also got the um another one coming out. Um, we saw the trailer for it at Rise of Skywalker. Sonic the Hedgehog. Oh right. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah serious roles. Yeah. Um, and also they played yeah the, we saw the trailer for it at Rise of Skywalker and they played the old one yeah where, right, with right. with human teeth Sonic yeah um yeah so this film what do you reckon it has a Ron Tomatoes? Uh, I reckon in the 90s. Yeah, you're right. 95? No. 90, 98? No. Lower or higher? Lower. 90? No. 91? No. 98? Lower. 92? Lower. 92? Higher. 93? Yes. Wow. Yeah. Um. Yeah, the, the, I, I find this movie like... Even from a filmmaking standpoint, uh, like point of view, it's it's really cool. Like That's so cool. Um, Michelle Gondry, the director, he has a lot of uh, like he, he's such a great low budget filmmaker. I think mm-hmm. so. He he did um, a film called Be Kind Rewind, which I is, remember that. Yeah, which is a lot of fun. It's it's Jack Black and um, Moz Def, and they they're like they accidentally erase like an entire video store of movies, and then so they like make sweeted versions of the films that's what they call them where it's like oh no this is the version of ghostbusters from sweden and uh, then it's just that's why it's called that yeah yeah i didn't know that's why where the term came from um yeah yes yeah, so that's what like sweeting a film refers to because ah. they, they claim that it's like the swedish version of the film um but it's just clearly jack black and mosdiff <laughs> um and that's that's quite a like weird film he did the green hornet as well but that's like that was his kind of foray into um big budget Blockbustery, yeah, and then uh, most recently he did that TV show Kidding with um Jim, with Jim Carrey, Carrey. Yeah, a serious yeah. role for Jim Carrey, yeah, 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 yeah. Um, which I never watched, but it looked quite cool. Look, I heard really good things about, yeah. it. yeah. And um, there's there's one there's a famous um single take shot in that where it like it, it covers decades, mm. and there's there's a real cool behind the scenes video of how they do it where the cameras check that show out. moving around, and um, do you know he directed the uh. The episode of Flight of the Congos with Carol Brown on it. That's one of my favorite episodes. Yeah, it's probably the, my favorite episode. Yeah, with the um, where he falls Gondry. in love with the Australian. That's I love that episode. Yeah, and it's directed by Michelle Gondry. I think it's called Forbidden Love or something. Uh, like it's unnatural love. Unnatural love. <laughs> um, yeah, but uh, one one thing I love about this movie is um, there's there's a few feelings that I love when movies can elicit from me. One example I think I've brought up on the podcast before is the end of the Disaster Artist, where uh, 
James Franco, Tommy Wiseau, is sitting there in the movie theater and everyone's laughing at him and then he he leaves but then um his brother oh his brother dave franco spoilers greg sestero um convinces him that like it might not be the reaction you wanted but look at how happy you're making all of these people Mm. and he sits there and he and he comes to terms with the fact that uh, even though he's not proud of it he's still bringing joy to people yeah and it's such this like Oh, watching that film, that's like such a beautiful feeling, and that's like, and I would love to make something that elicited that reaction, um, like the reaction that you feel watching the disaster, not, not, is not what Tommy Wiseau was feeling. <laughs> um, yeah, these kind of melancholy, um, somewhere in between happiness and sadness. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's melancholy. Yeah. Um, uh, but then another thing that I love is the concept that I love being explored in films is the concept of memory. And because I, I've always found it fascinating that you can try and remember something like, well, do you know how it works? Like mentally? Well, yeah, um, yeah, I guess you you, whenever you remember something, you're actually remembering, remembering the last a copy time of it. Yeah. You remembered it. Yeah. Yeah. But like the fact that, um, uh, you know, like, have you ever like, you, you, when you struggle to think of something when you're like, oh, I know this. And then you go, Duh, and then you go, oh, that's what it's called. The fact that you can essentially have a physical filing cabinet in your mind mm. that you're sorting through and you go, oh, I know it's in this section somewhere. And then you can actually pull it out. Like you'd think that if you, if it's just a, a shadow of a memory that that should be all, all it ever is, but you can somehow look for memory. Yeah, yeah. Um, and that, like, that's such a that's such a fascinating concept to me. And the idea of wanting to be able to remember something but not being able to. Do you, it, do you know? Yeah, sorry. Go on. Yeah, that, that's such a like a beautiful idea to me, and that's kind of what this whole film was about. It's it's like trying yeah. to hold on to memories that are that are being taken away from you, and um. Yeah, I've, I've this like in the last two years, I've felt like my memory has gone real shit, mm. um, and like there's you know people, places that I like have no recollection of that I know were like super important to me two years ago. Yeah. Um, whereas I've always like prided myself on having like a real good memory, but I'm just having these weird black holes in it. Yeah, I I told everyone I had a good memory, but I'm really just really neurotic and remember when people say something yeah, to me yeah, and how yeah. I feel about it. Um, but another film that explores a similar idea is um, Your Name, the anime film oh, yeah. that I like. Because that, that's about, um, it's like, it's a, a body swapping film, but every time that they that they swap, uh, it, they, they describe it as feeling like a dream. And so, you know, he, he, dreams are hard to remember. So, like, when they swap back to their own body, they have just, like, the vaguest recollection of what right. actually happened. And so it's that trying to remember something that's slipping away from you is such, like, a... a beautiful idea to explore i think do you know that like the you know when you're like you forget like an actor's name yeah and you can remember all the everything else in that moment except for what yeah, that actor's yeah, name yeah. is do you know that that's actually like a mental process that like your your brain has i isolated the thing you can't remember and is essentially like withholding it from you yeah because yeah. you you'll never remember it when you're trying to remember it mm. you have to go away and start thinking about something yeah else. and um another funny thing about memory is that you know when you uh walk into a room and forget why you're there mm. it's because um doors essentially send a signal to your brain that um to compartmentalize everything from the last room because right. you're now entering a new area and you can forget what you what you knew mm. um so yeah that's why that happens and also uh 
not being able to remember not being able to remember what you were going to say is called Lethal Logica. It's a fun fact there. Cool, cool. Um, is is the science of sleep, Michelle Gondry? Uh, I'll look it up. Because um, that's I feel I haven't seen I've only seen a bit of it, but that looked very similar to Eternal Sunshine. There's someone important involved in that film. I can't remember who it is. Someone of Michelle Gondry, Charlie Kaufman kind of ilk. The science of sleep, isn't that um? Oh no. Yeah, it's Michelle Gondry. Yeah, written and directed. We should watch that. Um, it, apparently it's real weird. Uh, anyway, um, I really like the scene in, and what I remember seeing seeing when I was a little kid, the scene in Eternal Sunshine where um he first tries to hide Clementine from the erasure by taking her to another part of his brain, and it goes to when he's he's like a four year old kid and his ba- and she's his babysitter, and now he's hiding under the table because his mum yeah. is ignoring him and he doesn't like it, and it's. It's, it's, it does a lot of things with um, forced perspective. Yeah. So how how does how, do you know how that scene is? Filmed? Uh, yeah. Do do you know? Ah, uh, you tell me. Well, so it's essentially like have you ever seen the behind the scenes photo uh, from Lord of the Rings? Yeah. yeah. Where um, it, it looks like um, Ian McKellen and Elijah Wood are sitting together, but their seats are actually like massively. Yeah. Like Elijah Wood sitting way further back, but the like the seats are scaled in a way so that when you shoot it from a certain angle, mm. it looks um, like like one thing. And there's also like those rooms you can get at like fun houses where yeah. the it's still to do with um, yeah, it's tricking your eye when you look from a certain point of view. Yeah. And so um, yeah, one side of the table that they're on is like you know just to scale a normal table, and then on the other side is like scaled up. But when you shoot at a certain angle, the like um, I guess like parallax effect of a camera. Or you know the um, you know when your perspective goes out mm. and whatever, um, you know it's way bigger, but you can trick the camera into seeing it a certain way. So when Jim Carrey's on one side of the table, he looks tiny, but then when Kate Winslet's on the other side, of the, on the you know the front of the table, yeah, it just looks normal sized. Um, and and that's kind of what I love about this film is that there's so much like uh, practical stuff done like that. A lot of the when memories are fading away as well, it's shot. Uh, essentially in pitch black but with a really harsh mm. like light on, attached to the front of the camera essentially so yeah you get this beautiful vignette but it's um yeah quite harshly lit. it's very like disconcerting it's almost like a horror movie yeah, yeah. um when you know when they're first exploring some dingy warehouse or whatever and mm. um you, you know you're only it's a very um small part of it that's illuminated and i think that's works really well with the memory thing yeah is that like yeah, it's very selective with what you're shown. Yeah. And um yeah, that they do some great stuff with like because it's jumping from location to location and so there's a bit they'll be like at the beach and then it will cut and they're in a bedroom, but mm. there'll still be like the posts and a bit of sand yeah, yeah, yeah. on the on the bedside table and, and there's one shot as well where uh, Jim Carrey's seeing the memory of uh going in to get his memory erased and when he's in the interview he's got a beanie on um and then when he's watching it he doesn't and it like it's one shot that swings between them and it's just jim carrey running behind the camera putting his beanie on and <laughs> changing his like physicality completely and um yeah it's, it's a lot of those because i think the, the budget for this wasn't insane despite it being so high concept because charlie kaufman you know is still quite underrated and in, in yeah. hollywood i guess um but he yeah it's these really clever low budget solutions to things mm. and that's what i really like about it yeah man i feel like this movie um came out in 2004 
and it birthed a whole bunch of movies trying to be like it. Yeah. Um, I can't give you any examples, but it, I just it feels very familiar. And yet this is the only one I can really say that I, I really dug. Both in the, um, it's almost like a, I don't know if Precursor is the right word because I think this did exist before it, but it almost feels like a, like some kind of grandfather to the Manic Pixie Dream Girl trope yeah i was in, gonna ask you about Winslet. that like do you think that she's a manic pixie dream girl no she's too complex to be a manic because and uh, it the, deconstructs the like folly of a, the fallacy of a manic pixie dream yeah because the the first manic the i guess the first manic pixie dream girl was garden state like that, that's the one that yeah. really made it like and that was 2000 2004 as well okay and uh, people often quote elizabeth town which is kirsten dunst yeah. as well as being one of the originals um but yeah, like, but I, I see. I feel like this birthed both movies where there were characters similar to Joel and Clementine that totally missed the the complexity of their dynamic. Yeah, yeah, and, yeah. and Eternal Sunshine. But then also these mind fuck, uh, gentle mind fuck movies. You know, like yeah. they're not they're not Inception level crazy. They're like, the, like, um, when did Primer come out? Uh, that was probably. I think that I feel like two thousand six. Because that it almost feels like this would have pushed primer which is a good movie but not and i'm not shitting on it uh, that was 2004 as well oh there you go um maybe not then i don't know maybe the maybe the collective consciousness of hollywood was just in a mood for this kind of thing i guess it, it birthed a a a a genre of indie film i guess is what i'm saying do you know what i mean yeah, yeah i know what you mean like would you call this a um an anti-rom-com um well anti-rom-coms are, it, like it definitely is for the most part but it does have that hopeful ending because they decide to stay together despite everything that mm. will probably happen which is very romantic and very human yeah um but similar to um arrival as well yeah yeah sure, totally um I, anti-rom-coms typically are like their purpose or well, i don't know if anti-rom-coms even are defined yeah, genre yeah, yeah, it's yeah. just something that people have like speculated about yeah because the the framework you would use for anti-rom-com would be 500 days of summer yeah right? yeah an yeah. anti-rom-com is usually designed so that the characters uh the the point of it is is to be a movie about realizing you shouldn't be with someone because that's almost just as important as being with someone or if not yeah, more yeah, yeah. you know so it's 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 it feels like it's it's a bit of a betrayal of the idea of an anti-rom-com to end with them getting together yeah, but I guess that I don't know. It's that's if anti rom coms even a defined. Yeah, set of I, I would yet. say I would say if 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 you think that an anti rom com exists, this definitely would be one. I would say because it's it's all about falling out of love. Mm. I guess like we see more, we we're shown more reasons why they shouldn't be together. Almost throughout mm. the film, we're just told that they want to be together, which is awesome. So good. So yeah, good. yeah. It's 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 because it, even the fact that they you know decide to stay together at the end is kind of a bittersweet ending because it's like, well, we just know that this is going to happen again. Well, we don't know. We think. Well, it's possible it won't. That's like, like, what it leaves you with. Yeah, uh, but it is. It is a beautiful, mm. beautiful movie. Yeah. Um, speaking of Charlie Kaufman, did you ever hear about a movie he was going to do called Frank or Francis? No. It was like, it was announced to be like this big project he was going to do. It was about, um, so it was about Hollywood and um, Steve Carell was going to play this pretentious new director, this this pretentious director that was receiving Oscar buzz for all of his, uh, for his new film where he played every role. Mm -hmm. Um, And then Jack Black was going to be a, like a, an online troll. Yeah. And there was 
a third, oh, Nicolas Cage was in it as well. And he was playing like essentially a parody of Nicolas Cage, I think. And the whole thing was a musical. Oh my and, God. Um, and then just no one wanted to make it. No one would fund Charlie oh. Kaufman. And so it never got made. Um, and then I think that was going to be his follow up to Anomalisa. And then it just got shelved. And now he's doing this film for Netflix. Right. Well, did it be in a stop motion thing? Uh, no, no, it was just like... So just to follow up. Yeah, yeah, it was just like when he was after. talking about Anomaly, so he was like, oh, this is my next thing. Oh, I, like, I'm not the biggest fan of adaptation, but I really like... I, I really like adaptation. I really like um, being John Malkovich, and Anomaly is really good. Um, the, the, um, what was I going to say? Can't remember now. Lethalogica. Lethalogica, there you go. Richard... Where's my sequel, bro? Ooh. Where, um, what, if we what, get- can we talk about titles quickly? Okay. What do you think of the title of this film? Um, it's really beautiful. It's not it like... It's one of those weird ones that I like... Because it's I, a quote from a poem, it's it's not as pure as if it was just a line in the film. Yeah, yeah. But it is like, even if you don't get it, it like fits the film. Yeah, well, it, it, it emotes imagery of... Minds and yeah, minds and, and uh, yeah, that kind of yeah, thing. Yeah. Um, yeah. Anyway, because because uh, I don't know how I feel about the title. It, 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 like it feels like a little pretentious, right? To me, like it's like if someone if someone was like, "Oh, check out this film, Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind," I'd be like, "I'm not going to watch like that." Requiem for a Dream. Yeah. Well, even Requiem for a Dream, just because it's shorter. <laughs> I don't know. What if you had to retitle this film? What would you call it? Oh, jeez. Um, Forget me not. <laughs> it's too. It's too. It's too almost on the, the, the upper, the other yeah, end of yeah. the scale. It's too stupid. Um, yeah, I, I don't know. I guess uh, if you wanted to shorten it, I feel like Spotless Mind isn't quite as bad as Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless or Eternal Sunshine. Yeah, Eternal Sunshine's a kind of cool, but even that feels just as pretentious, you know. Yeah, I don't know because Eternal Sunshine just refers to like happiness. Mm. I guess maybe we just call it happiness. Yeah. Call it My Happiness by Powderfinger. <laughs> uh, That's a good song. Yeah, man. Where's my sequel, bro? So we're yeah. going to come up with sequel ideas. Um, this could be an FX limited miniseries sequel, you know? Yeah. You could you could do it like Return to This Universe. and Yeah. Although the, the fact that the company shuts down at the end, I think. That's true. You could just retcon well, the Well, uh, the technology still exists. True, yeah. It's someone getting their hands on the technology. Well, maybe it, maybe all that it's keeping from the movie is the concept of having your memory erased or exploring your your memories. And yeah, yeah, you can yeah. just look at it that, that through different lenses. Nice. Sort of like how the sequel to Jingle All the Way is just the only yeah, thing the it retains. Is, is story. A, is a, yeah, they're looking for it's a like toy. the Cinderella story. Yeah, yeah, it's a Cinderella story. Yeah, um, an eternal sunshine of the spotless mind story, Christmas Wish. Yeah. I That's my it. sequel. I love it. <laughs> uh, all right. How long have we been talking for? Uh, 26 minutes. Oh, that's probably enough. Okay. All right. Well, thanks again for listening. Thank you. I'm, I'm glad I rewatched this film. I've got it on DVD, but I just haven't re- I yeah, rewatched we, we, it since we were, I owned it. I we think. were a bit bummed because we, we were like, kind of felt like Love Actually was the more generic movie podcast.exe movie to mm. to tackle and discuss. Yeah. It's funny covering good films on this podcast because it's like, I don't know. <laughs> it feels like I'm not, like, you get worked up about something being bad, but when something's good, I'm like, yeah, actually, fuck it, it was real good. Yeah, yeah, and I forgot how much I liked this movie. Yeah, so same. Yeah. I, I kind of was semi-dreading re-watching it, but I hadn't actually seen it in probably 10 years or so. So Yeah. 
It was actually really good. So thank you, everyone good. who suggested it. Yeah, and everyone who voted for it. Yes. Because only one person suggested it. Well, thank you. I like to, to think that, that if you vote for it, you've also suggested you know, it. You were meant to suggest it. Yeah, yeah. All right. Well, that's us um, for the year, I guess, isn't it? Yeah. For Patreon, this, yeah. This will be the last Sweet. Patreon podcast. So of the year. Merry Christmas. Unless it's Happy New Year. I think it'll have already been Christmas. And as always, go fuck yourself. <laughs> Alrighty, and that was Generic Movie Podcast, Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind, and that is our episode. That's our sample pack, our sample pack volume five. Can you believe we've released five sample packs over the years? Um, and yeah, again, if you would, if you liked that show and you want to hear more Generic Movie Podcasts and you want to even suggest generic movies for us to podcast about, although I guess it's more the podcast that's generic and not the movie itself, uh, you can head on over to patreon.com slash that is part of our cult leader tier, which is for only $10 a month. Um, but otherwise, there are plenty of other things you can get from joining our Patreon. If you only want to donate a dollar a month, then uh, then you get to... Sorry, my, you probably just heard my phone go off. Um, if you only donate a dollar a month, then you still get um, an awesome reward, which is you get to suggest and vote on which franchises we cover on the main show. So that's always fun. And there is also, of course, a $15 tier, uh, which involves... Um, which is called the cult elder the first $1 tier is called drinking the kool-aid $5 tier is cult member $10 tier is cult leader and finally the $15 tier is cult elder where you can join in on the conversation of the franchise of the fortnight um you can also often get given post-credit scene you know you get to suggest a post-credit scene for after the music stops we're not doing that for the sample packs but they are on the regular show uh but if you don't have any money and that's totally cool if you want to support us in other ways you can follow us on instagram and twitter you can email us at coldpoptionmedia at gmail.com uh, or you can join our discord and be a part of of our little community and get amongst it and say hi to everyone so any of these ways uh, will be helpful for us hope you enjoyed the sample pack and kakite uh, we'll see you next time Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. 